Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Good God! Another spear phishing campaign, this one discovered by Chad Anderson. Next up, you reap what you sow, an unsealed DOJ indictment, and of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 104, recorded on November 22nd, 2021. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, beat them to the punch, LaBelle, with me co-host Chad, catch of the day, Anderson, and last but not least, Tim, DOJ, fanboy, at least this week, Helming. Very relevant, beat them to the punch. You know... That name, uh, the name of that guy that discovered the spearfishing campaign sounds really similar to our co-host here. That's just so weird. <laughs> hmm. I guess we'll find out more soon. <laughs> Coming up next. Coming up next. <laughs> In Breaking Badness. I don't know why, but that voice just gets me every time when people can do the voice like this. My name's Chad Anderson. There's just something about it. I don't even know what that's from. You know, we didn't uh, discuss this ahead of time, but um, I think for future reference, any year when we're recording an episode on November 22nd, which of course is the day on which the Kennedy assassination took place in 1963, we should devote some time to the most out of this world uh, JFK conspiracies, either about the uh, the assassination or, you know, about the, uh, that he didn't really die. and He was hiding out and with Elvis, uh, after Elvis didn't die, um, wherever it is that, that you go hang out after you don't die and you're a, a major figure. Purgatory. What do you think? Next? Not near toilets. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, I, I mean, it's usually like a Seven Eleven in Branson, Missouri, right? I mean, isn't that where these, where these folks are usually showing up? Something like that. Okay. You that's so bizarre you just mentioned Branson, Missouri. I had randomly someone I interacted with today who also mentioned Branson, Missouri. And until today I had never heard of such a place, but I've heard of it twice. This is there's a name for this, uh, this phenomenon where you never hear of something and then shortly after the first time you hear of it, you hear of it again. And I forget what the name of it is, but it's a it's a thing. A Bransoning. <laughs> a Bransoning. I guess you only heard it once, Tim. It doesn't count. <laughs> I think it's it's cruel for that to be that concept to only be mentioned once in a day after never hearing it. It's just too ironic for my taste. So, Chad, would you slack me about that later so we can close the loop? Deal. Perfect. <laughs> Does slack it count if we planned later. it? <laughs> is that a new? Is that a term? Slack it later. Slack it to me later. Well, I, I'll tell you a Branson, Missouri story, uh, which has nothing to do with cybersecurity. But and then you'll have to decide whether it can go on this uh, on this family podcast or not. But I, I, it's not too bad. But my I have a uh, acquaintance, uh, old friend and mentor, 
who has a freakishly amazing uh, mind for seeing anagrams instantly. And so he was on tour in Branson. He's a musician. He was on tour in Branson years and years and years ago. And he stumbled out of wherever they were, uh, uh, you know, celebrating after the show. And there was a signboard for Anita Bryant showing up at the, uh, one of the theaters there. And he, in his uh, drunken brilliance, he was actually able to obtain a ladder and he climbed up on the signboard because he realized that Anita Bryant is an anagram of a tiny ant bra. And so he has <laughs> photographic evidence of his anagrammatic powers in Branson, Missouri. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. A true American story. <laughs> if I ever heard one. Well, did you mute yourself on Branson? I've just stopped. I've just brought the episode to a crashing halt yet again. <laughs> Any mention of Missouri usually does that to a conversation. You're like, oh. <laughs> Sounds a lot like the word misery. Just yeah. saying. Branson, Missouri. Um, yeah, the, the meme that I was thinking of earlier, it was uh, some some product. Uh, wow. It's for storing cheese. You know, you purchase cheese in it. <laughs> the oh, product don't. packaging, if you will. And it said on the front, stay fresh cheese. And the comment was, that's how I want to sign off of every Zoom meeting. Stay fresh cheese. I think. I mean, we could sign off call. this show that way. From, from I now think on. so. Yeah. Instead of don't drink and click. Stay fresh <laughs> stay cheese. Fresh cheese. <laughs> I will mention one more cheese anecdote, and then I guess we should talk about security. Um, I was watching <laughs> Between Two Ferns episodes, and there was a really great moment with Brie Larson and Zach. And Zach said something like, I heard you change your name for show business from Gargonzola Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it just got true. me so good. <laughs> That's pretty good. I love it. <laughs> so oh funny. gosh. Oh well. Speaking of cheese, fish, <laughs> spear fishing. There you go. Segue. Um, well, that <laughs> we did is it. such a segue. <laughs> Uncanny. Um, so our first article today is good cod. Another spear fishing campaign. So threat actors are targeting Middle East-based employees of major corporations in a scam that uses a specific ephemeral aspect of the project management tool to link to SharePoint phishing pages. So Chad, this is actually your catch of the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Can you walk the audience through the methodology that led to you coming across some fishy PDFs? Certainly. Um, so here we go. I monitor a number of, uh, oddities in virus total with like random sets of Yara rules. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Yara, it's a way to write, um, some pattern matching for files and, uh, other things and to be able to run through large data sets really quickly. Um, in the case of virus total, you can write these rules that then as they ingest new files, they run your rules against them and tell you if you get a match or not. So whenever I discover a campaign, I set up a YAR rule to monitor for um, that campaign and then also set up a companion general rule 
um, that'll surface any additional weird documents or potential permutations that I could come up with um, on that campaign. That just gives me a chance to track and maybe see and catch um, someone, you know, shifting their methodologies. In this case, the broader ER rule was left over from the Winter Vivern research that we published on about a year ago that included a campaign um, hitting the Vatican, Italy, Baltic states, and a host of others with um, specially crafted malicious documents. So uh, when it first surfaced, the PDFs that I saw looked entirely innocuous, since their only interesting feature was that they contained a URI object, which is a link out to another bit of content from the PDF. Um, so what stuck out, though, was that I saw in this URI was um, that it matched emails of specific victims, and that those victims ended up being real people when I looked them up on LinkedIn, um, and then they were tied to uh, specific Middle Eastern operations of major corporations and other companies. Chad, when you said that you monitor oddities and then paused, I just imagined you <laughs> sitting at your computer and taking note of all the odd things any of us did and being like, mm -hmm. News of the oddity. Weird was kind of like that. Do they still do News of the Weird? It used to be in like all the alternative newspapers and stuff and it was, it was entertaining. That's monitoring oh. oddities. Hmm. <laughs> the you know, there was there was a French philosopher who sat in the Gare du Nord and wrote down every like weird little fidget or whatever as people walked by all day. Uh, I think it was Foucault, might have been Michel Foucault was one of them. Um, but his whole idea was that people are defined not by uh, their big accomplishments, but by their little tiny things they do every day, like the way they like flick their fingers as they walk around. Anyways, maybe it's kind of like that, but for malicious documents. <laughs> Chad, that wasn't an appropriate word to use on our podcast. Uh, what's that? Foucault. Mm. <laughs> I know, because we thought you were going to say focaccia, and, and then we were oh, sorely yeah. disappointed. That's why it's not okay, hungry. So. Focaccia is a really disappointing bread, by the way. <laughs> um, I just want Italians to know that. Like, as far as breads go, it's like kind of discardable. <laughs> Please send me your full bread scale. Um, I would like a Forrester wave, but instead yeah. of technologies, bread. Yeah, my bread scale is about uh, the size of a loaf, so I could probably ship it to you. I loaf that. <laughs> anyway, you slice it. It'll be delicious. Um, Y'all do the Gardner Magic Quadrant for um, different breads. We'll <laughs> all have that over by um, EOD. Thank you. Which is uh, end Please of December. prioritize end of December. <laughs> well, I'm going to use that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so Chad, once you found the PDF <laughs> when you were identifying oddities, which is what led us here, um, purporting to be an invoice, this, this nefarious PDF, what steps did you take next? Yeah, so throw the thing into a VM, of course. Um, I'm a big fan of the Flare VM. It's from uh, the folks over at FireEye. It's a pre-built or rather you pull down this repository and it sets up a nice windows vm for malware analysis for you so fired up all the necessary telemetry in there um uh, you know the opsec issue with uh you know go through a vpn uh, just to kind of cover yourself there um and then begin poking at the site that uh the uri reached out to so i found that each one of these was down um and that led me to wonder what this like glitch url was uh that was there so i had to end up going sign up on this glitch um service which was what all the urls pointed to a glitch.me address 
Uh, once I signed up on this glitch service, found out that it's a space where you can run arbitrary code um, for short periods of time. Do they? What could go wrong? VM... Yeah. <laughs> Do you get a button for every VM that you spin up? So you have pieces, you, you have your flare. Is there a minimum number of pieces of flare you have to have in your position? Oh, yeah. Wow. Good, good reference. Um, you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, my brain's doing a little bit of PC load letter right now, so I can't, <laughs> I can't really come up with a good response to that. What a perfect oh. metaphor. Boy, my brain does that too. <laughs> Speaking of glitches, um, which my brain is having right now as I try to come up with a more adept segue, those links that you identified via your Flare VM led to Glitch apps, if I'm remembering correctly. So yeah. for those who aren't familiar, what is Glitch and how does it work? It's, Glitch is actually pretty cool, um, but in its coolness is also a vector for attacks uh, that's seeing a lot more traction. So uh, kind of the concept behind this here is similar to the living off the land binaries one. Um, you might hear people mention lolbins, which is living off the land binaries. Uh, which makes use of trusted system applications to do nefarious things. So that would be, you know, say that there's the certificate manager on your machine, which normally handles encryption certificates. Um, but say that uh, with a specifically crafted configuration file, you can use that certificate manager to pull down a um, file of your choosing, right? So then an attacker can use this trusted certificate manager with a slightly crafted uh, configuration file to pull down their malicious code and execute it on the system and kind of hide from um, EDRs and, and whatnot that are looking for malicious activity. So uh, a similar, concept to that is what people are calling living off trusted sites. Um, so that takes these known trusted sites that let a user run their own code and leverages that to fish and exploit users. In the case of Glitch, they have these code spaces where, you, where users can run their own app um, on Glitch services for about five minutes for free. They get assigned a subdomain, um, which looks a lot like kind of uh, randomized Docker container names. You know, it'll be like three random words. It'll be like um, elaborate uh, zebra missile or something, you know, um, uh, something that always comes out is slightly funny, but, um, and then it'll be like .glitch.me. Um, so uh, it's a really cool concept. It comes from the folks at Stack Overflow and Fog Creek, um, but it's super useful for these nefarious purposes. And there's a lot of websites that fall under this um, area where the parent website is trusted by many systems um but in many security lists but the underlying part where it gets delegated to other individuals and, and where they get to take control and run some code is going to be untrusted or rather it's going to be insecure so um you know you have that with github actions for instance um, someone can use github actions to run malicious code or uh, gitlab as well where you can host sites hmm interesting and and on that thread, Chad, why does Glitch lend itself well to such a nefarious online activity? Yeah, so you can sign up um, with just an email address, right? So it encourages people to learn and to run code there, which is really cool. Um, but where this is great for credential spear phishing campaigns, like um, these SharePoint pages in this campaign, is that these sites are ephemeral. They only last for five minutes. So attackers can craft a thing, copy the, photo, uh, the code around, 
see if their lure works and then disappear with their ephemeral account, right? So uh, it's quick turnover. And since Glitch is amongst those trusted sites that I talked about, it'll be unblocked on most corporate firewalls because there's plenty of legitimate uses for it amongst um, developers, right? So it's not like you just blanket block the site since the subdomains hosting these things last for only five minutes. You also can't keep up with the whack-a-mole. So it's a great situation for an aggressor in this case uh, to where unless people are actively monitoring on-page content, which is... You know, some EDRs are doing that, um, I would assume, <laughs> I would hope so. But, uh, you know, unless you're actively monitoring for, you know, something that looks like a phishing page, you aren't going to spot this with your traditional, like, you know, malicious domain list. Hmm. And speaking of malicious domains, what can you tell us about the SharePoint phishing page you discovered? Yeah, so typical stuff here. Uh SharePoint login claiming the file to be downloaded with some kind of important document. Uh, once the credentials are entered, it ships them off somewhere else. And the site then redirects to the domain provided in the spear phishing target email. So if they were targeting uh, Kelsey at DomainTools.com, it would redirect to DomainTools.com after accepting the credentials. So trying to make it look a little bit official. They also do some other fancy footwork that's kind of minor, like um, claiming your password is too short if you type in garbage, uh, things like that, just to make it seem more real. Pretty much run of the mill in the end, um, but spear phishing is always more interesting than blanket phishing just because they're actually picking targets either from a list or uh, with intent and purposes to go you know, after a group. Now I'm picturing people actually hunting biological fish with blankets. It's probably not because he worst mentioned blanket fishing. fishing tool. Blanket fishing. I mean, you know, a net is kind of like a blanket um, that doesn't keep you super warm. <laughs> yeah, got a lot I of mean, holes. One could argue more efficient. Yeah. It uh, uh, <laughs> Afghan is basically a net, and that's considered a blanket. So oh there you go. Gosh. Blanket fishing might actually work. <laughs> Starting to wonder if weighted blankets are just heavy nets. Mm, yeah. Oh gosh. That doesn't help with anxiety. That makes me anxious. I mean, I think everything's in net if you get small enough, right? Really good point about molecular structures and whatnot there. <laughs> molecular. Molecular. I'm a good pronunciator. <laughs> <laughs> I word good. You word good. Well, Chad, my final question for you is how frequently do you come across campaigns like this one? And how can or should defenders limit their exposure? So if I if I set my sights on hunting for these campaigns all day every day, um, I'd come across new ones daily, guaranteed. This living off trusted sites thing is becoming more and more common. Uh, phishing campaigns for credential harvesting, though, daily occurrence if you know where to look, and something that if you're a defender, I can guarantee you you will find daily hitting your network. Spear phishing a little more rare since it's targeted, but again, a simple thing to look for if you hunt on potential targets in places like Virus Total or Malspam repositories if you have access to those. So, uh, you know, long story short, uh, I could come across them every day if I wanted to. <laughs> um, for defenders, they should limit their exposure just mostly by you know getting tooling in place that's looking for these things. The fact is that fishers are getting more and more creative. Um, we need to be examining on-page content. We need to be, you know, we can't rely on lists that just, we just hope someone submitted it to Google Safe Browsing already, um, this webpage. And, and this living off trusted sites thing means that, um, you know, there really is no good way to block. 
um, unless you're looking at content on the page. So that would be my suggestion is to look into what your EDR solution is and hope that, um, you know, there's some clever magic going on there to save you. <laughs> clever magic. Just, just Hogwarts, your site. Yeah, you have to uh, inspecto the DOM. Um, <sighs> right-click inspecto? Yeah, right-click inspecto. Yeah, classic uh, F12 hacking. <laughs> uh, super important. Isn't uh, F12 illegal in Missouri now? Only in Branson. That's true. It all comes back to Missouri today. Well, Tim, after having the chance to hear both Chad talk about his catch of the day and read his blog post, of which this is based upon... What would you rate this at from a hoodie perspective, which for our new listeners or our listeners who forgot this wonderful rating spectrum is from zero to 10 hoodies, 10 being quite, quite bad, quite nefarious and zero being more neutral or um, perhaps funny to you. And hoodies are of course playing off of that fun hacker cliche that we've all come to deal with and love. <laughs> Come to deal with. Over to you. I like it that way better. Yeah, uh, I'm going to put this at six. Um, this campaign itself, of course, is a bit limited in its particular scope, as spear phishing kind of is by definition. But this technique is kind of scary for the reasons that Chad mentioned, and I think it's safe to say that this is not the last time we're going to hear about glitch being used in a way pretty similar to this, or should I say abused um, like this and agreed that there's really not, I mean, the one, the one way you could change this is to, is if glitch changed their model to where you had some, uh, you had to identify yourself a little more and, and, you know, potentially uh, have some, uh, some identity, some, uh, maybe they make it a paid service or something like that. Not that you couldn't get around that, but it, it raises the barrier a little bit, but that's probably not going to change. So I think we're going to see more of this and I think we will see it in campaigns that are more far reaching in their nature. I mean, we've been seeing stuff like this forever in terms of like, we've seen Twitter used as uh, C2 for, malware campaigns and stuff like that. So people generate, auto-generate these Twitter accounts that are just passing C2 commands and so forth. So same idea, trusted site and hard to catch this stuff if you're not doing on-page analysis and so forth. So I, I think it pretends bad things. I'm going to call it six now and the next glitch thing that comes down the pike might be higher than that. We shall see. Indeed. And Chad, what do you think? What's your rating? You know, I think in general, this uh, campaign probably wasn't super successful. Um, judging by, I don't know, just, yeah, how the the quality of the phishing pages and things, you know, um, that I ended up looking at. I, I would rate the campaign itself at maybe like a four or five out of 10. But then the, like, rise in using these, like, free places to run code um, to kind of get around some of these protection solutions is just, it's clever. It's creative. Um, it's a, it's a problem for certain that needs to be figured out and solved both on the abuse end for services like glitch to be able to spot, you know, when people are running, um, potentially malicious code, um, but also for the, you know, end user and with EDRs and whatnot. So, um, I think 
yeah, overall, the campaign is not that um, effective, but uh, it looks like this technique of sneaking around, um, you know, traditional protections using trusted sites is uh, scary and probably going to see more of it. My gosh. Not great. <laughs> well, thank you, Chad and Tim, for your ratings there. So our next article is you reap what you sow, which is back to the blanket humor, as I think Tim would say. And so the U.S. Department of State is offering a $10 million reward for information about the activities of two Iranian nationals charged for cyber activity to intimidate and influence American voters during the 2020 U.S. presidential campaign. And I, I say U.S. Department of State with a question mark inflection because I think Myself and the hosts are a bit confused about if it's the Department of State or of Justice. We don't know the state of the department that is offering justice, <laughs> if you will. Well, yeah. If you look up the articles on this, by the way, at least if you look up, there's one in Bleeping Computer about it. And they share the wanted poster, kind of uh, post office style. It's too bad they don't still use that font that they used to use in the Old West uh, uh, wanted posters, by the way, and, and other things in the old <laughs> West, but, but that does, that is from the FBI, which is part of the DOJ. So I think it's safe to say that, uh, much like dogs and cats getting along state and justice are uh, working together on this one. <laughs> well, not so surprisingly, more information is coming about coming out about nefarious activities surrounding the election which was two years ago, which I find kind of disturbing that that's been, it's been two years, but it feels like yesterday and a decade ago at the same time. Um, but this it, conversation. Well, hang on. Election. Are we in 2022 already? Oh, uh, it, shoot. Was, it was a year ago. Oh my gosh. It's only been a year. Uh, it feels like oh two years, gosh. right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, time. What is time? It, it, it's not even a meaningful seasoning. anymore. That's all it is <laughs> to me. That's right. Something to put on your potatoes. If you've got the time, we've got the beer. I mean, that's do those <laughs> flavors go together that well? I don't know. Uh, we have the time to try it out. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you're right. It's only been it's been a year, but it feels like more than that, I guess. Um, so <laughs> this uh recent update is from an unsealed indictment. And I'm just I'd just love to hear your take on what some of the contents of the indictment were, Tim. Sure. So, yeah, we are continuing to see some efforts to bring down the hammer of justice on uh, various actors who participated in various forms of tampering with that one year ago 2020 election. Uh, by the way, not that they aren't going after all uh, U.S. elections, I would say, for anything above the dog catcher and who knows, they might be going after that one too. Uh, but 2020 is obviously a big focus. So in this case, the DOJ uh, is indicting two Iranian nationals for a, quote, cyber-enabled campaign to intimidate and influence American voters and otherwise undermine voter confidence and sow discord in connection with the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Familiar territory there, of course, by this time. Mm. 
So Tim, how did the suspects gain initial access? Yeah, so it looks like they started probing uh, and trying to gain access to 11 different state election websites, and uh, they got into one of them. So from there, it was off to the races uh, in that particular state, which is uh, not identified in the indictment. It's just referred to as state one. They got uh, and downloaded information on about 100,000 voters. And so from there, as we will see, uh, bad things transpired. Yeah. And speaking of what exactly did transpire, it doesn't sound like this is the first time these suspects have engaged in malicious activity. And so what emails were sent out to those voters in October? Yeah. So this part was interesting. They, uh, they claimed a bunch of emails or they crafted a bunch of emails rather claiming that the democratic party was going to quote, exploit serious security vulnerabilities, unquote, in, in various voting systems that included editing vote-by-mail ballots uh, to tilt the election for Biden. So these emails uh, targeted Republican U.S. senators, House members, White House advisors, campaign officials, and members of the media. Uh, oddly enough, it would appear, Kelsey, that these emails and others like them that undoubtedly were making the rounds at that time, were not dismissed by those officials as the obvious work of cranks. It's so weird that they didn't tumble to that ruse, isn't it? But continuing, uh, probably the most infamous of their email campaigns, uh, these were the intimidation emails that were sent to thousands of registered Democrats, threatening them with strongly implied physical violence if they didn't change their party affiliation and vote for Trump. And uh, since the conspirators had obtained that voter information from the state whose infrastructure they infiltrated, they included these voters' physical addresses and stated they had all your information, which is phone numbers, addresses, et cetera. So uh, the news that uh, the news broke that this campaign that I'm talking about for the voter intimidation was the work of Iranian actors a few months back. Um, and so this indictment is a continuation of that process. However, the emails uh, weren't everything either. So these indicted conspirators uh, were masters of multimedia manipulation and made a vexatious video supposedly showing a pro-Biden hacker penetrating the perimeter of a vulnerable voter site. Uh, obtaining voter records and fabricating fraudulent bogus ballots by the bushelful. And it goes to show you just how much we are living in the upside down, that when they masqueraded all of this as the work of the Proud Boys, that also didn't cause it to be dismissed out of hand as the work of cranks. Way to annihilate the alliteration another time, Tim. I think that's three in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. I can't remember the last time I heard somebody say that, but it needs to be brought back. It needs to be revived. (laughs) Uh, Well, Tim, what do we know about these two suspects at this time? Yeah, so they were known to be contractors uh, of an Iranian quote-unquote cybersecurity company, and that's those quotes are on purpose since the indictment uses that uh, juicy hip-hop word, purport. And incidentally, don't you love how much carnage these days is sown in the name of cybersecurity, like all those domains that are security-update-windows, etc. Anyhow, uh, so these two individuals are reputed to have some elite tax or skills. Hmm. Well, I guess my final question for you, Tim, just coming back to who these suspects are, 
do we have a sense of how much of a priority this is to the DOJ, given what we do know? And how concerned are you also as a citizen to be in a situation where discord could have been sowed among you and other people? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, we so we don't know much about these two individuals so far, but just give them a little time because once they post those inevitable pictures posing with their Lambos in Sochi, um, then we'll know more about them, right? Uh, like what color they like their Lambos um, and so forth. But anyway, yeah. So how much of a priority is this for the DOJ? Well, as they say, money talks. And in this case, that would be a cool 10 million, Chad, uh, real American dollars. Uh, that is the reward that the DOJ is offering for information on or about the activities of the two individuals, 24-year-old Syed Mohammed Hussein Musa Kazemi and 27-year-old Sadad Kashian. Uh, that's a pretty significant OSINT CTF challenge, wouldn't you say? So here's hoping somebody's able to claim that dough and uh, get these two brought to justice. Now, as far as how concerned I am as a citizen, I would say that I'm pretty much at DEFCON 2 or so, uh, where DEFCON 1 means it's the end of the world, right? So uh, these misinformation, disinformation, and intimidation campaigns have been way more effective than I could ever have imagined. Just a few years ago, uh, I, th I thought that people hated to be duped. Uh, but it turns out that just about half the country loves it. So Putin and the other architects of these campaigns are totally living their best lives right now. And I find that, frankly, pretty terrifying. Yes, indeed. And I'm sure this will not be the last time we hear information like this. And I called dibs on Lambos and Sochi. Or was it Lambos and Seoul as my band name? Oh, either one. <laughs> you know, you can always reinvent and rebrand. That's true. Look at look at Jefferson Airplane, you know. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chad, now that you've heard Tim's hot take, what would you rate this at? Uh, I think this is kind of fun. You know, $10 million is the same amount that is offered for information leading to major ISIS leaders. So they certainly um, are putting some weight behind this um and you know it shows how important this is to the doj so as far as uh, my concern about disinformation campaigns you know at this point it's old hat everyone is going to get tricked even we have gotten tricked by something i'm sure uh, by disinformation misinformation typical garbage on the internet the internet is a dumpster fire um so with that in mind and just living most of my life in this dumpster fire, uh, it seems fine to me. So I'm going to rate it three out of 10. Um, but on the goody scale for going after these people and offering that amount of money, I'm going to say eight out of 10. So, you know, I think those two average out to about a five out of 10 hoodies. Chad, I'd like to see what you said just then printed on an inspirational photo about living in a dumpster fire that is the internet. I think that's deserving. With a yeah. cute little kitten hanging just like something. Just like a cyber hobo sleeping in the dumpster fire of the internet. I mean, it's like those, uh, those what are they called? Those demotivators, those posters, <laughs> you know, that are spoofing the motivational posters. It's, it's like that. We should have one of those. 
Yeah. Someone should. should make motivational coasters so that every time you <gasps> pick up your beer, you get motivated. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> motivational yeah. You know, people coasters. get that makes people feel good. It makes them feel happy to order another beer. Yeah. We, someone should copy the Kenny Rogers thing and do motivational roasters. <laughs> or maybe that's a good name for a coffee business. Ooh. You're like on every, one. Every bag just says like, don't worry, you'll actually be able to wake up today. That could also be something sort of like Toastmasters where they're they're mm. roasting you, but but you know, in a in a friendly way. And really yeah. actually they're encouraging you. They're they're roasting you, but really in the end they're letting you know what a swell person you are and yeah. how much you've meant to their lives. I like it. <laughs> the think tank. Back at it. <laughs> All of these ideas, eight out of ten goodies. <laughs> All right, Tim, what's your rating? I'm just going to look at the upside of this one and just ignore the downside part, only not because it's not a huge deal, but because A, I'll probably just start to weep uncontrollably if I do go there. Uh, And B, I'm just going to focus on the article itself and what the implications are. And I will say, yeah, I like it eight out of 10. I'll go along with Chad on eight goodies out of 10. Um, What would crank it up to 10 is actually if these two had been apprehended already and some deserving person walked away with the 10 million bones. And I hope that we will have an update on this story in a future episode where that's exactly what we'll report, but I'll leave it at eight for now. Somebody can send an audio of them swimming in a pool of money, perhaps for dramatic effect. Like the Scrooge McDuck kind of thing? Definitely Scrooge McDuck vibes. Absolutely. <laughs> the question is, will they have a Lambo sitting there behind the, the pool full of money? But it seems like that, I don't know, do good guys drive Lambo? I'm sure that some good people drive Lambos. It's just, I, you only hear them associated with uh, GTA and um, indictments. Perhaps they could get a pool shaped like a Lamborghini twofer. Yeah, well, I, I think that still sounds a little more like the criminals than the good person who claims this DOJ reward. But time will tell, Kelsey. We'll find out, won't we? Yes. Person who hopefully nabs the 10, 10 big ones. Be sure to reach out. Let us know what, how it ends. <laughs> well, speaking of ending, it's time for this episode to enter its final portion, which is two truths and a lie. So every week... One of us co-hosts comes up with three statements, two of which are true, one of which is a lie, uh, basically summarizing news from the last week. So this week, tis I, attempting to deceive Tim and Chad, there is a scoreboard, which you can find on our show notes, that is in binary. We just started over at episode 100, so this is, or really 101, so this is, this is new. Um, it's a pretty quiet board. There's anybody could win at this point. Um, so are you two ready for my three articles? No, but I mean, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a great track record on this game. So I'll, I'll just always say, no, I'm not ready. But, but that shouldn't slow you down <laughs> in any way. Honesty is the best policy. Um, I'm not ready to tell you them because my track record right now is not looking very good. Chad is really pulling away. All right, here's the first article. WordPress pressed for time as they were hit with ransomware attack. Second article. Tick 
TikTok users fish for more than just compliments. Researchers observed a new phishing campaign targeting high-profile TikTok accounts. So watch out, Tim. I know you're an influencer there. Third article. Netflix brand used for the halibut. Fishers target streamers with fake service signups. Those are the articles. Mm. 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 Well, I'm going to go with that Netflix one. I think that's my, that's my, the horse I'm picking. What was the first one again? WordPress pressed for time as they were hit with a ransomware attack. I mean, how is that not true? You know, even though I don't remember if I read anything about that. Uh, Cause they probably are running WordPress, right? I wonder if their version is patched. Uh, <laughs> that there is, that, that's their main kind of front end. But uh, it's probably not. Meta. It is sad that, you know, like base WordPress is decently secure these days, but it's all the plugins that are like, we'll take anything you input into this text box and execute it as code <laughs> with the shell on the back end. <laughs> they call it the Glade vulnerability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, very good. <laughs> all right. So I think... Uh, because I think that seems so likely, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Chad. I'm gonna say uh, I think Netflix is is not true here today, but who knows? Kelsey, you're very good at this game, so you may <laughs> do both of us. You're good at lying, Kelsey. Keep it up. <laughs> we have very super. We have very healthy friendships here at Breaking Badness. So Netflix is actually pretty chill right now. Not. So yeah, somebody that unfortunately is true that somebody was targeting mm. streamers, which that's not targeting at this point. That's spam. That's any person that's, that's living right. and breathing <laughs> streaming. <laughs> I felt personally what's, attacked by that. So what was the falsehood? They were basically telling people that they're no, 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 no. Which, which, which article was a lie, oh, which was you? false WordPress actually was not hit with ransomware, but there was a fake ransomware infection where it stated that things had been encrypted and locked, but that was just a header. There was actually no ransomware. What's the point of that? <laughs> huh. Okay. It was probably a plugin, honestly, that someone just threw in there. Didn't even know. Hmm. Hmm. But alas, two points for me. <laughs> no. Boo. I hope you're thankful. <laughs> Only on Thursday, the last Thursday of November, will I be thankful for T. Hanksgiving. Mm. Mm -hmm. Hey, Tom, this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> this one's for you, Tom. Yeah, not the guy from MySpace, though. He doesn't get my thanks. He just gets to be thought of every time someone wears a white shirt in front of a whiteboard. I think I saw an article the other day that, like, like uh, now, like, ironically, MySpace is starting to come back. You know, it's everything uncool is cool again at some point, and uh, that that may be true of MySpace. I don't know. I, maybe I'm making that up. But did either of you see something like that? No. Maybe it was on MySpace? 
No, oh, God, that's where I saw it. Yeah, I was updating my profile. <laughs> Just getting some HTML practice, you know. Don't want to get. That's right. <laughs> don't want to get behind there. <laughs> oh, excellent! Well, thank you both for a fun-filled episode. Per usual. Speaking of tea, Thanksgiving, we're going to be off next week. I hope um, for all the folks in the states that you enjoy a day full of food coma and good time with family. And for the rest of you, I'm sorry, but you know, it sounds like you don't have the Thursday off. So alas, our apologies from Breaking Badness. But we'll be back for episode 100. You can go get a deep cut. Go way back into those previous, you know, 103 episodes available to you and, and just grab an old one to, to mm-hmm. tide you over during the week that we're out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll be back your way in about two weeks. We hope you enjoy those two weeks and look forward to episode 105. So stay fresh, cheese. Get out of here. Especially you, Gargonzola Larson. Beautiful. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.